Welcome to the CE Pro Podcast. I'm Executive Editor Arlen Schweiger. Last week on the show, we talked about power protection and power management. And this week, we're continuing the power theme, but more so in its impact on AV systems in particular. Tributaries and Claris Cable President Joe Perfido and renowned cable designer Jay Victor join me on this week's show to discuss why clean power and better cabling can make a huge difference for audiophiles. As always, be sure to subscribe to CE Pro's YouTube channel and hit that like button on our videos, or subscribe to the CE Pro podcast on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Welcome to the CE Pro podcast. I'm Arlen Schweiger. Today we have Joe Perfido, president of Tributaries and Claris Cable Brands, and Jay Victor, a prominent audio designer for those companies as well as other companies. Thanks so much for joining the CE Pro podcast today, gentlemen. Great to Hi. be here, Arlen. So today we wanted to talk about audio and specifically getting higher performance out of customer systems through better cabling, better power products. It was a premise of a recent review that's posted on CEPro.com right now that I did of some Claris pieces. Um, and just to start, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about tributaries and Claris and the companies and sort of the differences between how they're positioned in the market today? Sure. Uh, uh, Tributary started in 1991. I started the company then and primarily to design and uh, sell market uh, audio cables that were kind of in the upper mid-fi type of cable uh, section. And it worked really well. And coming along into uh, the uh, early 2000s, um, met Jay at uh, one of the CDA shows. And we started to discuss power products at that point. And uh, over the years then that we worked with him, uh, we began talking about high-end cables. And one of the reasons was that uh, tributaries was not accepted, if you will, in the high-end audio market. We were kind of considered uh, a home theater cable rather than a high-end cable. And Jay said, gee, well, let's take a look at my patents, I have some patents in cable design, which I was not aware of at the time. And we looked at the abstracts of the patent and I said, wow, this is really an interesting, interesting ideas. So at that point we started working together and, and uh, we became a licensee for, for uh, Jay's designs and his patents. And we have the, started making Claris cables. And once I heard those cables and we heard the, the quality and the sound capability of them, I asked Jay if he would help us and redesign our entire tributaries line of cables so that they were all from the same design, from the same voice, as I like to say. So they all have the same basic characteristics. But as you go from, let's say, our series two, four, six, and eight in tributaries up into Aqua and Crimson in Claris, there was a natural progression of sound improvement as you move from model to model. That was how it progressed. And in terms of solutions, um, tributaries and Claris, you guys run the gamut of cabling in terms of, uh, you know, what is offered um, just for integrators putting together a full throttle system. Oh, yeah. I, we go from uh, composite cables, uh, to audio cables, to AES-CBU, uh, um, uh, USB cables, speaker cables, power cables. I mean, just about every type of cable that's used in today's audio video systems, we can manufacture. 
Great. And then, uh, Jay, let's talk about you in terms of your background, getting into the audio business and, you know, connecting with with Joe. Um, how did you how did you come to be, uh, you know, this prominent cable designer? What was your background like? Um, strictly engineering, basically. I was always uh, into the audio hobby and uh, I'm a musician as well. Um you know, starting in the 1980s, I was already working on cable designs for various companies I worked for. Um, also, I did uh, high voltage X-ray cables for a while. I've got a pretty extensive cable manufacturing background. Um, and then I was in charge of uh, product development at Monster for five years at one point in the uh, late 90s. Um, and I actually led the team that developed all of their power products. So I'm pretty well versed in power uh, conditioning as well as cable. Um, and I've done consulting and work for a number of well-known audio companies, uh, right. which well, eventually led me to tributaries. <laughs> yeah. Let's, so let's, let's talk about uh, some of these products. I guess let's, you know, let's stick with Claris um, on sort of the premium line and Claris, I know, has has two main lines, the Crimson and the Aqua products. And maybe through uh, through those, you could tell us a little bit about the process behind how you were going about creating a premium cable product. And then how does it go from, you know, where are the performance levels where you have two tiers of performance? How do you go from, you know, creating at the Crimson at the high end to something that is, you know, another notch below it with the Aqua? Kind of as Joe was mentioning, going where you were looking at it up from tributaries, how does, you know, how do you address that in the cable design process? Well, it's a it's a question of scale mostly. Um, you know, the lower level cables like Series Six or Series Eight um, are cost driven. Um, they have to hit a certain price point, so you can only do so much. So you're limited by how much money you have to spend on the materials and the construction. Um, whereas with the more exotic cables, um, you can do a lot more because you have the budget for it. Um, and it's really a matter of scale. Um, series six and series eight differ, you know, substantially from Claris, um, you know, because of the price points and how much you can do for those price points. Um, Aqua and Crimson are substantially the same other than scale. They use the same technology it's just that Crimson is a step higher in terms of, you know, more conductors, more um, groups of conductors, more conductor gauge, which becomes important because you get lower resistivity and a lot of other electrical functions. Um, so basically, you know, that's that's the way it works. The technology used in uh, Aqua and Crimson is totally different from Series 6 or Series 8, and it goes back to around 2003, where I started developing um, this technology that's covered by at least five US patents plus a China patent. Um, and it uses uh, different shapes of conductors rather than just gauges like a lot of other cables. So it's substantially different from a lot of other stuff that's on the market. So that's, that's basically the gist of it. So what, what are some of the highlights of the, of the construction without giving away some of the, the secret sauce? And, you know, I, I, can, I can tell just from having Claris cables in my system, I mean, they're, they're just very different. They're very uh, 
dense packed together, you know, really thick tables. Um, you know, what can you, how would you describe them? You know, if you're talking about both well, in, internally and externally, um, well, in the high end, in, in the high end world, they're rather thin. <laughs> <laughs> Scarily <laughs> enough. Right. I do know that too. <laughs> um, you know, essentially, you know, the construction isn't a huge, big secret. There's a white, uh, white paper on the website um, and it relies basically on three uh, different shapes of conductors. Um, I use thin, flat conductors because they work better for the mid-range. Um, and then I use heavier solid conductors, different groups of them uh, to cover some of the other frequency ranges. And then I use um, essentially a tubular conductor for the high frequencies because the high frequencies uh, because of skin effect travel on the uh, outside surface of the conductor. So you use a non-conductive core um, wrapped with a foil copper uh, to approximate a tube that can still bend. So, you know, that's basically the technology. It's totally different from anything else. Um, the quantity and all the specific gauges is really the secret sauce. And that's what took years of development to figure out because uh, it's not easy. <laughs> it takes a lot of trial and error. Um, it helps if you have a cable factory at your disposal. I'm a part owner of a cable factory in China, so I have full access, you know, to do all my diabolical experiments for as long as I want, you know, to develop stuff. And I mean, essentially, it's, you know, 20 years of development that really went, went into that cable um, when you come right down to it. Um, in terms of talking about the crimson? Yeah. As kind of that, you know, crimson, crimson and aqua, right. Crimson and aqua. Yeah. Um, the other thing is they were voiced to be very neutral. Um, that's another aspect of it. Um, you know, I know how to get extreme high frequencies and extreme dynamics, but that comes at the expense of the mid range or the base. I mean, there's trade-offs, you know, there is really no free lunch in cable design. You know, you can get one thing or the other. There's always trade-offs. Um, so my goal was neutrality and, um, I think that's been largely successful. That's what I like, what I aim for. And, uh, you know, that was basically the goal. I wasn't looking for something that would, you know, have incredible holographic imaging at the expense of the mid range or, you know, anything like that or explosive dynamics as a, as, you know, an extreme at the expense of musicality. So there's a lot of trade-offs that go into it. Sure. And I know that I hear, you know, a ton of all that stuff. And certainly I think kind of the, the hallmark that, that I've heard is just the, the clarity. And I think, you know, obviously the clearest name sort of, sort of spoke to that um, as probably something that you were going after, Joe. And I, uh, Joe, I want to ask you to follow up. So, you know, hey, you had tributaries and then you had Claris. Um, it's been out there for a while now. Has it sort of... Um, been um, made to be, you know, wh where you positioned it in terms of getting integrators, you know, custom integrators uh, who may be, you know, doing more home theater than two-channel work now to get them into higher performance two-channel systems? Is it more of a, you know, an audiophile um, option for them who had probably already been using tributaries for a long time with you? Yeah, we've, we offer it to all our integrators, all our dealers, if they would like to purchase Claris, they can do it. That's a uh, that's an up that's an uphill battle, uh, getting the integrators to uh, think about high end cables. 
in a lot of cases, as you were saying, giving think about cables at all is a is an uphill battle because a lot of them are just, you know, they're just going to you know, say the cheapest, but the least expensive solution is what they're going to go for, and and uh, and that's what that works out to be. But uh, no, the positioning of Claris just uh, in the market has been has been great. I mean, uh, we've gotten some fabulous reviews, numbers of fabulous reviews, not only for the for the cables, but also for the power products and for the uh, DAC. So that's been that's been a, a very fulfilling thing for our company to see the acceptance that we're starting to gain with Claris. And as a result, now we're getting dealers, people calling us asking us about wanting to become a Claris dealer as these, as the name gets to be more and more exposed to the, to the dealers in the industry. Yeah. And we know that certainly, um, you know, it's been a, actually a, a pretty important time these days for the audiophile industry. It seems to be, uh, you know, over the last, certainly over the pandemic, um, you know, we've been hearing at CE Pro, obviously just the home entertainment boom, has really gone on. Uh, you know, I know in speaking with other people in the audio world that they've had a lot of success selling audio uh, in these, you know, over this past year and a half, in addition to what had been going on before. Uh, Joe, in terms of dealers or Jay, if you want to add to this, uh, to successfully, you know, demonstrate some of the capabilities of some of these products. And then I want to get into the power, the power product as well. But in terms of cables, uh, throughout the full system, how how are those successful ones demonstrating these products and and educating customers on why cables matter? Uh, maybe Joe, we'll start with you, and then and then Jay. Yeah, for two different things happen here. One is uh, for the retail stores that that have it, and most retailers do custom in their integrative integration departments uh, associated with it. Uh, is having the the demo on the on the sales floor where they have a showroom, they have the Claris cables connected, and they can uh, demonstrate that directly to the customer. Sometimes a customer will want to have a, a shootout, you know, a comparison with somebody else's, some other brands that they may at the time particularly own or the store might have some, and they'll listen to them that way. Another one is uh, they'll go to customer's home and bring the cables, bring a set of cables with them, and demonstrate them right in the customer's home with the customer system, the best way. That is absolutely down and out the best way. Uh, sometimes they, we have a deal, we have integrators or dealers that will give cables to their customers, known customers, to take home and have them, the ones that are proficient, the ones that know how to hook up, put these systems together, that they will take them home, listen to them, and then they won't, they won't give them back. You know, it's kind of, no, you can't have them back. I'm keeping these cables. We've seen that over and over. That seems the way the way it goes. But I think the, the beginnings of it for lots of customers uh, that are not maybe associated with a particular dealer is through the reviews, where uh, they're online and they'll read reviews in the different uh, on the different uh, online sites, and they'll get interested and start looking at uh, who has the cable that they could listen to, and sometimes they call us. And they'll say, hey, I saw the review and I'm interested of who should I talk with? You know, who, where can I listen to them? And then we'll, we have a dealer locator on our, on our uh, website, but sometimes they just want, want more information and we do it that way. 
Right. Uh, you know, let's talk about the power products because uh, Jay, I know you had a big hand in those as well. Uh, in terms of, you know, why power conditioners and power cables matter. I know I went to, um, you know, an audio show back one time and I was talking to a, a dealer in his room that he had set up and I was asking him about upgrades and, you know, where to begin. And he said the absolute first place that someone should address first is the power going into the system. Uh, Jay, the, the Claris, the, the Concerto is an, an impressive power product. Um, why is it so, why is power so important? And then, you know, how does something like that get uh, demoed and sold? Well, obviously most power is crap. <laughs> Mostly the power coming out of your wall has all sorts of noise on it. And really that's where uh, your audio signal is coming from. If you start out with rubbish, you're going to get rubbish coming out. <laughs> um, and I don't care how good the power supply is. A lot of the pundits will say, oh, you know, a well-designed power supply in an amplifier, you know, is going to filter out all of that. And it's just not true. Um, power amplifiers are not designed to filter out all the rubbish EMI and RFI on your power line. Um, I think it's one of the most important things, really. And I think you'd be nuts not to have some sort of power conditioning. Um, I use it extensively. I've got as much power conditioning on my main reference system as I do, you know, components. <laughs> um, it's that important. It's just as important as your preamp or power amp or something like that. And anybody who doubts it really hasn't tried it to see what the difference is. Um, you have to try it to really understand how much better any given system can be. Um, and, you know, that's really what it boils down to. And what are, you know, consumers, what are some of the differences that they're going to hear? You know, it just listening to one system uh, without good power conditioning, without good power cables, going to all the products and into the wall. Um, what are What are some of the differences that, they, you know, consumers should be lo looking for, and then even in a demo, maybe dealers should be pointing out like, hey, keep in mind, you know, think about this when you're listening. Well, you're definitely going to hear blacker backgrounds. You know, you're going to hear higher resolution. Uh, generally, you're going to hear better imaging. You know, basically all of your components are going to be working, you know, based on the ideal design conditions that they were meant for. Um, without all of that, you're going to have a bunch of noise and hash being amplified through the system. So free from that, it's, you know, a whole different level of performance. And Joe, tell us a little bit about uh, how the power products came to be, because there's the concerto, there are also uh, the duet products. Um, go through some of the power lines and how those were added to the Claris cable systems, because those well, came it, a little bit later on, right? Yeah. It all started with the power cables. I mean, once we, we, we listened to the amount of improvement the power cables made, I mean, that was stunning just by itself. Uh, in fact, now when I travel and I go to dealers for demonstrations or product presentations, I just bring a power cable. I used to bring the whole set, all the cables, no longer. All I need is the power cable and connect that up to a preamp or a DAC or a power amp and it just blows everybody away on the amount of improvement that makes. So that's the start of it. Um, then the idea of power conditioning was, you know, the, the next, the, the next generation. So it, 
if the power cable can do that much, okay, so now what do we need to do in order to make sure? Because we knew the power cable can't do everything. It's the beginning of the process. That provides at least the basics of clean power to a product like the power conditioner. And it's going to take out all that low level. You know, we use the word noise, but I don't think that that's really the, a, a good word because what we're looking at is a, a covering up of low level detail or an ob obfuscation, if you want to use big words, uh, of that low level uh, information that once you put a power conditioner in that's properly designed and it removes that veil, if you will, or blanket or however you want to call it off of that low level material, all of a sudden that information that's there that's been obscured becomes real. And the sound stage just opens up wide. The, as Jay was saying, the imaging increases beautifully. Detail, high frequency, low frequency, every aspect of it starts to increase. So the power cable was the beginning and naturally morphed into the idea of a power conditioner. And that's where Jay came in. Jay, was it, uh, what were some of the challenges designing for the power products as opposed to uh, other products? Well, again, the whole power thing, I have a lot of experience with going back to the monster days. Um, and leaving monster, I had a lot of my own ideas about it. Um, I then did a lot of work for another very well-known company that's very famous for their power conditioners and, you know, learned a bit more and basically in the end came up with my own ideas about, you know, how to approach it. So it was very much an evolution. It was, you know, a lot of different ideas that came from a lot of different sources over time and doing a lot of listening and you know, starting to understand what the different requirements were, because there are different requirements for different types of devices. Um, you can't do the same things for analog as you do for digital or video or whatever. Um, there are different filter requirements. So all of the experience I had in the past ended up being distilled into what then became, you know, the Claris Power products, which are, you know, as good as I can do today, you know, for those kind of price points. And Joe, are your dealers um, speaking to that effect too? Are they getting this message across that, you, that you're finding? Are they, are they able to convey those differences? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, uh, the idea of the, the, uh, the power conditioner and what it can do and why it's so necessary in a quality audio system is definitely getting, you know, and then the idea, you know, when Jay put the uh, concerto, you know, designed the concerto, not only that the... Uh, analog and digital, but that high current section, which is probably one of the most important parts of that because almost all power conditioners are out there today. The manufacturers say, listen, if you're going to use a high powered amplifier, you got to plug it into the wall. Don't plug it into this, plug it into the wall. And of course, why would you do that? I mean, if it's a power conditioning, you'd want the power amplifier to have that same level of conditioning as the other components. So that's one of the real shining spots of of concerto and of course we incorporated that into the duet design duet. so someone has monoblock amplifiers that are not part of the the system but are located let's say between the speakers then those you normally if i go into a store anywhere in the country and they have monoblock amplifiers they're plugged into the wall in, and also uh, powered subwoofers right into the wall because it's not part of the main system 
So the duets can be put into that kind of a system, either a single duet or two duets, depending upon the size of the monoblocks, and use those and then have that plugged into the wall. So it really then completes the power conditioning for a, for a total system. So that, yeah, but they're getting the points across. Yes, they are. They certainly are. Yeah, and it sounds yeah, like you can, uh, you know, take your um, cable and power kits with you when you go into dealers and make some of those swaps in for them too, right? You know, just show them, yeah. hey, here's how this sounds. Here's a, maybe yeah. do this to it. So no, nobody had really approached that idea of a power conditioner that's specific for monoblocks or powered subwoofers or powered speakers. Yeah, that was my that was my idea basically. Um, essentially, pretty much every power conditioner on the market restricts current. It has a specific current capacity, and it it won't go beyond that. So really, these were designed not to restrict current, no matter what. So they're way over designed. You know, the normal you know uh, circuit in a home is either fifteen or twenty amps. Um, these, even though you're using it on a 15 or 20 amp line, they're actually rated, the filters are actually rated for 30 amps. So there's no way any commercially available power amp, you know, is going to draw more current than that, than what this unit can handle. And I don't think anybody else does that in the marketplace. Right. Well, let, uh, the last thing I want to ask you about, you guys, let's shift over to uh, more of the the personal headphone listening uh, with the Coda product that uh, I tested as well. And actually I, I, I tested it both in a, a reference system kind of hooked up to my laptop, <laughs> which was great for, you know, listening to Cobas and Tidal. And I also just listened to it plugged into my laptop with, you know, these, which are very cheap. Um, and I have to tell you for uh, a thumb, a thumbnail, or, you know, a thumb drive size back, it was really impressive uh, with both setups, even, you know, with these cruddy earbuds. So I wanted to ask you, Jay, I know you kind of led the development into the Coda DAC, which was released uh, last year as kind of the, the latest product in the Claris line. Um, right. Tell us a little bit about what went into uh, this little powerhouse of a, of a DAC. Well, first of all, we were at the bleeding edge of technology. Um, we went with a brand new Pro Series ESS DAC chip that nobody had used yet, basically. It was so buggy. It was actually recalled um, when, after we got the first shipment because there were problems with the chips themselves. Um, it went through tremendous teething pains. Um, the development was really, really difficult. Um, but we tried to do as much as we could, you know, as you said, in, in a thumb drive, which meant um, allowing multiple filter options, um, volume control on the unit itself. Um, we went with a low current draw um, amplifier section. Um, we tried to fit in as much technology as we possibly could. Um, and using, you know, just like with the DAC chip, you know, all of the latest technology that we could get our hands on. So basically, that was the whole design concept. Um, but it was not without a lot of challenges. <laughs> right. And our goal days, was to make the best possible device of its kind that we possibly could. Yeah. And you're, you're trying to address all the various platforms, the different file types, uh, things like that. Um, 
how challenging was that? I know you have a whole area of oh, your website God. that's like a library that goes into, um, you know, how to use the product well, and how it does everything. But uh, again, what, what was were, what's that like today, Jay? There were there were monumental challenges um, developing the firmware, you know, doing all the programming and so forth. Um, you know, the guys who provided the DAC chip admitted that none of them had a Mac. So, <laughs> you know, that explained why it didn't even work with Max in the beginning. And, you know, we had to go crazy to figure that all out. So we pretty much had a huge challenge to basically, um, you know, recognize and support every possible platform, every possible device. Yeah, as you said, it's really not easy. <laughs> it's a very difficult thing to do. Well, it's definitely a success. Is this something where now we will see kind of a a, a second generation Coda down the line, um, sort of adding to it? Uh, well, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too much about that, but I will say we are working on other DAC products, definitely. <laughs> Joe, I'll end it with you. Why was it so important to get uh, this type of product into a company that you know was essentially created for you know super high end? Uh, Two channel systems. Well, uh, I mean, as far as our company, why? As far as why, yeah, as far as adding a product that you know is like product. this for the for the yeah. Coda. Why was it so, so important to add it to the Claris uh, lineup? Again, it, it's it's the it's the correct uh, a, a growth of the company in terms of product development. I mean, we have cables, so you know, we look at a two channel audio system. When you look at a two channel audio system. There are, of course, the speakers and the amplifiers and the preamplifiers. That's a whole nother world of electronic mm -hmm. components. But when you look at the other parts of the system that we could, as a company, that we could uh, approach is, you know, cables and then the power conditioning and then the digital analog converters. Those are a nice progression of product growth. And as, as our company grows, this is, this is kind of the direction we're going and staying on the two-channel audio side. You know, on the, on the CE side, uh, HDMI cables. I mean, that's great. We're, we're we're still doing a lot of development work as we move into the 48 gig HDMI cable area, and for our AOC cables and fiber optic cables, that we are working on very diligently. But we're also working very diligently on the two-channel audio side because I believe that's where the long-term growth for the company is going to be is in two-channel audio. We'll still maintain that other side for HDMI cables and that, because we have a good good track record and good partners that we work with on that. But the two-channel audio side is a very important part of the growth of our company. And these are the kinds of products that we can start to add as we move forward. Great, well, it sounds like we can expect to see uh, further audiophile goodies from, from Claris coming up. And so with that, Joe Perfido and Jay Victor, guys, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate talking about audiophile upgrades and what goes into some of this and and sort of validating a lot of what you know what i was hearing in these products uh when i was doing the review so with that thanks again for joining this week's ce pro podcast well thank you arlen you're welcome thanks, for thanks. okay mm -hmm.